We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Happy Father's Day. I, um, you know, I'm aware that Father's Day has, I suppose, mixed emotions for people. Some joyful, some... Anyone get breakfast in bed? <laughs> breakfast or, you know, eggs all over the sheets or something like that. Um, for some, it's a happy day. For some, it's sort of um, maybe a different sort of a day. Maybe sad for some, maybe regret for some. There's all sorts of emotions. But today, for Father's Day, um, I think in church it's just great to focus on our Heavenly Father. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, now, give me a wave. Who's played past the parcel? Give me a wave. Come on. Who's never played past the parcel? Let me, let me educate the uncultured, okay? So pass the parcel, kids game, you've got something wrapped up and then you've got lots of layers, pass it around. When the music stops, you un- undo the first layer. Now when we play it with our kids, we always put a little teaser, you know, a little teaser lolly in the way, but it's not the real prize. So you get something, but it's not the, it's not the whole thing. And then you pass it around, someone else unwraps it. Then you start, what is that? You start to feel, I wonder what it is inside. Start to get an idea of the shape. But it's not revealed until it magically lands on the birthday boy or girl's lap. And for some reason, they always seem to get the prize um, for past the parcel. The Bible's put together a bit like past the parcel. And um, it's like a package that reveals Jesus over time, layer by layer. And when you read the Old Testament of the Bible, you have to read it like that. You have to read it as if it's, a, it's, it's something, but it's not yet the whole thing. It's pointing to something. I can, I can see the form, but it's, it's not the whole prize. And when you keep unwrapping and unwrapping, when you get to Jesus, that's the prize. He's the prize. When he's revealed, that's what it's all about. And so in the Old Testament, you find some images um, that point to what Jesus would accomplish they're a bit like a shadow or an outline. For instance, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were, were pointing towards the cross. The prophecies about Jesus, talking about what he would do and accomplish. And then there's some people who did some things like David and Solomon or Job, who just revealed something about Jesus. And it's slowly revealing Jesus. Now you have to read it right like that, because if you don't, you're going to get the wrong message. If you just get one picture, you think, oh, God's a God of judgment. Well, actually, no, that's not, that's not the full picture yet. It's pointing towards something else, and um, you get sidetracked focusing on things that are not the main point. And, you know, some people would even use that to, to be full of hate for some uh, things. But the Bible itself calls the Old Testament a shadow of the things to come. And when you see a shadow, sometimes you know what it is. Sometimes they can be a bit distorted, but when you see the real thing that the shadow casts, ah, you understand the shadow a little bit better. Um, It's not the full picture. So when Jesus came, all these images, all these shadows made sense. 
And um, the important thing is the prize. Now, it's the same principle with God the Father in heaven. All through the Old Testament, you see God revealed in different ways. And it starts off with, we see him as the creator. And then he gets given all these names. There's about 30 or 40 different names that are referred to God. You might have heard some. El Shaddai, who's heard that? You know, God Almighty. Um, The Most High. I am the shepherd, the God who heals uh, Jehovah. And they had all these names after his name. The God who makes a covenant with people. And uh, the God who causes a breakthrough. And there's about 30 or 40 different names sort of unwrapping. And I want you to think of Pastor Parcel. Every time a name's given, it sort of shows you a little bit about God. But when we get to Jesus, we get the clearest picture of what God is like. It's when all the unwrapping is done. And we get the best understanding of what God is like. So this is really important to note, that when you look at Jesus, you don't just get the picture of Jesus, you get the best picture about what God himself is like. John 14, verse 8. I think we've got this. Thanks, Andrew. Philip was talking to Jesus. And uh, Philip said, Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? So Jesus is the best picture of what, when you hear God the Father, is like. And it's really important to look at how Jesus as a man related to God the Father in heaven because it's models to us how we're supposed to relate to God. And uh, when people pray, they pray all sorts of things. Everyone has their favourite little thing when they pray. You almost know who's praying by what they start with. Some people start... Lord God. Or you just know a certain terms going to come out of their mouth. Do you know what Jesus started every prayer, I think apart from one, he started with this, Father. Father. As far as I'm probably aware, there's only one instance where he didn't pray Father. He's on the cross and he's quoting Psalm 22 verse 1 and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting from a psalm, that moment where he conquered sin and it was a different moment. But every other time you hear him say, Father, Father, Father. Now this was, wasn't normal. If you look all the ways God was referred to in the Old Testament, it, you don't see the Father. You might see it once, hidden away, but they call him the Most High. They call him uh, all these different names, Lord God, but not Father. Jesus came to show us something different about God. He came to reveal him in the most accurate way. Um, Isaiah 9 verse 6. 
We read this around Christmas time. For a child is born, a son is given, the government will, be, will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why don't you just say that, Everlasting Father? Everlasting Father. That means Eternal Father or Father for all time or never leaving Father, always present Father. So this God they used to pray to, Almighty God, the Creator, the Healer, all those sorts of things, when we unwrap the package fully, we see God's best name, or let me call it that today, our Father. And Jesus showed us what the Father was like and he also modelled how we as people can relate to the Father. He showed us that God is not just this powerful being, but he's also personal. You can talk to him, you can receive wisdom from him. God is motivated by love. I mean, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, what was the first words? Our Father, who art in heaven. Now, sometimes we translate heaven as to that place up in the sky. When they heard that word heaven, they were, the concept in their mind was the heavens or the air around. So a modern translation would tr translate that prayer, our Father who is closer than the air we breathe. Let's get that picture. Our Father, not just any Father, but the Heavenly Father. You know what we get wrong sometimes? We superimpose our idea of a father onto God and think he's like that because of the experiences we have. And um, some of our fathers might reflect God at times, but not all the time. And our father, our own father, your father, your natural father, should never define our understanding of our Father who is in heaven. He's perfect. And not only is he perfect, he's never leaving and he has perfect love for us and acceptance. You know, who you become, who you are, is affected by your experience with your parents. Who start, who's realised they're starting to say things their parents once said? It's like, my goodness... And you can sort of see those traits coming through your life. Uh, young people, look at your mum and your dad. Welcome to your future. Uh, so we've got to realise that. So I suppose when we do that, we, we... Hey, I want to take the good traits, but I want to leave some stuff behind as well. We've got to understand that as, as people. Um, and I understand that some have had a less than perfect relationship with their father. And that can cause you to see your world in a biased sort of a way. And even Christians, I've noticed, can become insecure or judgmental or, or unstable if their concept of their heavenly father isn't quite right, is flawed. And um, he's closer than the air we breathe. So you might know God in many ways. You might know him as uh, your shepherd or the almighty or the creator. But the most complete way, I believe, to know God is Father. 
And uh, Jesus modelled how we relate to the Father. He actually spoke to him in the mornings. It said he retreated and he spoke to him. He heard his voice, he walked with him, he talked with him. He always called him Father. And uh, that wasn't just a name, but that described their relationship. And it's equally important to know how God the Father related to Jesus. Because you hear it a couple of times in the Bible, in the New Testament, where uh, God spoke from heaven. And if you take note of what he said, when everyone heard those things, at his baptism, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased um, or who I delight in. So Jesus reveals how God the Father wants to respond to us. And we see Father's Father in heaven first relates to us as sons and daughters. This is my son whom I love. And we are his sons and daughters. Our identity is that we're part of the family. And, you know, that was first in God's mind. This is my son, this is my daughter. And we have an identity, a, a security in that. He loves you, whom I love. And we can be secure in that. And whom I'm well pleased. Now, some of you would have heard me say this, but this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He hasn't done any miracles yet. And we translate it, whom I'm well pleased. It's an interesting word when you dig into it. It's whom I delight in. It's like you have this little baby here. And you sort of, or maybe even one younger, how old's Teddy? Four months old. So he hasn't done a lot of chores around the house just yet. He's sort of just there. Occasionally he'll give you a smile. That's about as good as you get from him. But you delight in him because he's your son or your daughter. So this is the concept. This is my son whom I delight in. It's not because he performed any great acts of gymnastics or anything like that at this stage. It's because he delights in him because he's his son. So this is when God speaks to us. This, you're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love, and I delight in you because you are my child. So this, this, is, this is how God the Father spoke to Jesus before his ministry. And also on the Mount of Transfiguration, he said the same thing. you think he'd come up with something different by then, but no, the same thing. So everything else the Father's got to say to you needs to be built on that foundation. So if you think you're getting these, these words from God which is, uh, doesn't line up with that initial statement, you need to reject it because he loves you. He delights in you. And you, you just get in this sort of angry voice, that's not the voice of God. The foundation is he's a father who loves you. So Jesus shows us what God is like a father and he shows us how to relate to God his father and he also shows us how God relates to us as a father who wants to know his sons and daughters. Now I'm just going to flick back to the Old Testament. Uh, David and Goliath. What's that got to do with them? David and Goliath. What a story. So David just takes out Goliath with his slingshot. No one knows him from a bar of soap. And King Saul's there and he sees this incredible act of bravery and he says this in 1 Samuel 17 verse 55. Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine 
And he asked Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. We'll find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Get that picture. <laughs> Not quite Uber Eats, is it? But uh, he's got this, got this. And Saul said, what did he say? Tell me about your father, young man. What an f- unusual question to ask him. He's just taken out Goliath. He's got this trophy. And the first question King Saul asked David is, tell me about your father. Okay, you can put that down. Um, See, Saul didn't know David from this active just scene, but he knew something. He, He knew, hang on, he grew up somewhere in an environment that caused, allowed this to flourish. So he didn't say, tell me about you, David. He says, tell me about your father. Tell me about your family. So Saul understood that a lot of who we are is dependent on our connection with our father. In the same way, Jesus reflects his father. The book of Colossians talks about Jesus as the exact representation of the father. So they would have went to Jesus, tell me about your father and his God. So what is the father really like? Well, have a look at Jesus. That's it. If you've got, you got an idea that Jesus is a good guy, but God's the other guy with the big beard and, and the angry guy, you got it wrong. That's the wrong concept. I don't know where it came from. It came from reading the Old Testament in the wrong way. It came from wrong information. Because God is saying, well, you see Jesus, you've seen God. That's what God is like. It's not the dark side and the light side. That's what God is really like. And they just revealed, you know, people's understanding when they started was they thought God was angry, so layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, it was revealed, no, no, he's actually not like that. You thought he was like that. So that's where I started, but I'm not like that. The Father is like Jesus. So... You know, I find a lot of people who never know their father try and find him. There's a lot, a lot TV shows all about it everywhere, isn't there? I need to find my roots, who my family is, to somehow discover something about myself so they can understand more about who they are. And if we can understand what our Heavenly Father is like, then we get a better idea of who we are, why we are, that we're made in his image, that we're secure, that we're loved. Men, men, just for a moment, men, Father's Day. The more you find out about your Heavenly Father, the better Father you will be. And those who have a screwed up understanding of their Heavenly Father developed a a warped concept of being a Christian. And there's lots of emotions and, you know, opinions about the status or role of a father, especially in their world at the moment. And many have problems with the concept of Heavenly Father because of their personal experience. And those issues, uh, you know, they're real and they're, they're hard issues. In fact, 
I read a study once, most people who end up in prison, it's because just about all of them had a, a very flawed relationship with their father. So, you know, our, our own fathers are great. We love our fathers, um, but they should never define our understanding of our Heavenly Father. He's perfect. Men, let me encourage you that your children's first view of God, the, the Heavenly Father, initially will be based upon their experience with you as a father. Because when they hear the word father, they look at you. So that's, that's where they start. So let's, let's be aware of that. I read, I read this. This is a good quote. A child finds it easier to find a father in God when they find something of God in their father. That's a good quote, isn't it? A child finds it easy to, to find a father in God when they find something of God in their father. So let's do our best to imitate God, you know. Never get down when we mess it up. But realise realize who our motto is. And our motto is Jesus. Because he's the best revelation of the father. For us men, it starts by having our own encounter with God and continually growing in our understanding. And some of us have had good models, some of us have had terrible models. And uh, I think the father's heart is portrayed, maybe one more story, through the story of the prodigal son. You know, Jesus was telling people what you know, forgiveness was like. And this son lived with his father came he got disillusioned with life and that happens when our hopes don't work out and he dreamed about things outside his father's house claimed his inheritance did his own thing he got into all sorts of trouble and it happens when we try to enjoy the blessing of God outside the house and the boundaries that God has for us we get into strife he ended up broken ended up ashamed he ended up starving he came to his senses and he says, okay, I'm just going to go back to my father's house. I'll offer just to be a, a, a slave in there because I've ruined our relationship with my father. He, he thought he forfeited all that, but he had a wrong understanding of his father. And his father, he didn't chase after him, but he just waited for him to come home. And he ran to him. When, when the son came home, the father ran and hugged him. And he, I think you'll know, he, or you might know, he put three gave him three things he, he put a robe on him and he put a ring on his finger and he gave him some new sandals and you know they all speak of different things the robe talks about right standing talks about right relationship talks about forgiveness gave him a ring on his finger that's restoring his, his place in the, in the family that's the signet ring you know you get the sign of checks with that restoring his, his place and new shoes restoring his walk, his destiny. They're all symbolic. And that's the Father's heart. When we return to him, it's not harshness or punishment. It's love and forgiveness and restoration. You know, Jesus came so we could remove and connect with our Heavenly Father. And, uh, thanks, Sarah. And the Father decides that we receive this robe to be right with him puts a ring on our finger, qualifying us for all the promises he has and, and sandals on our feet. Destiny restored, his plans for us restored. Fathers, we become the best fathers when we reflect our heavenly father. And we just do that by, we learn to do that simply by living a life following Jesus.
So maybe, maybe we can just bow our heads as uh, we sort of wind up here. Make sure we form a... Make, I want to challenge you. Have you formed the, the correct picture of God the Father in your mind? How do you see God the Father? I want you to see Jesus. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And fathers, let's make it our goal to model the fatherhood on the life of Jesus. Lord, we, we pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you've invited us to pray, our Father who is closer than the air we breathe. We, we thank you that you're with us. Everlasting Father, you're not absent. You're here. You're consistent. You're faithful. Thank you that we are loved. Thank you that we are welcomed into your family, your home, Lord God. And particularly on Father's Day, Lord, we, we take a note of that. We're, whatever our relationship with our own Father is like, Lord, we thank you that we have a heavenly Father. And we have brothers and sisters, Lord. And Lord, if there is stuff in our history, we, we pray, Lord, that you would heal that, Lord, that you would encourage each one, Lord, refocus our thoughts upon the goodness of God. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. You know, just uh, as we wind up, just had a picture of God and that prodigal son, his father, and he was just like standing on a big hill, just looking out, waiting for somebody to come home. And that might be you or it might be someone in your world. Lord, and I pray for those ones, Lord, who are maybe just have known something of the goodness of God and have just wandered off somewhere, Lord God, whether it be a family member or a friend or maybe someone in this place, Lord. Lord, I pray um, what happened to the prodigal son will happen, Lord, to those people where they'll just, it says they came to their senses, they realised, hey, the house of God was so good. And Lord, let there be a returning and an embrace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Are we going to finish off?